The Ask a CEO Show is brought to you by Lorraine Gregory Communications, an award-winning agency telling personal and brand stories for more than 30 years. From strategy to production and execution, they are a true full-service agency. Check them out today at LorraineGregory.com. Welcome, everyone, to the Ask a CEO Show. Ask a CEO interviews bring us inside the corner office and C-suite for discussions with top executives about their journey to leadership and the reality of running their companies today. Our host, Greg Demetrio, is the CEO of Lorraine Gregory Communications, an award-winning integrated marketing company. He is also the founder of gregscorneroffice.com, the home of the Ask a CEO interviews. Greg has been in the business for over 30 years. He is a resource to the media, an invited columnist and speaker on marketing and business topics. Over the years, Greg has talked to hundreds of CEOs and executives about what it took to make it to the corner office and what it is really like being the leader of their companies. And now, he brings those conversations to you. Here's Greg now. Welcome, everybody. I'm Greg Demetrio, the CEO of Lorraine Gregory Communications, and this is Ask a CEO. Ask a CEO is designed to take us inside the C-suite and find out what the reality is with the executives and the important businesses in our region. So today, I'm very happy to have Christine Ippolito, the president and CEO of Compass Workforce Solutions, which is a very highly regarded and highly talented HR consulting firm. Uh, they provide consulting services that reduce exposure and increase profitability. They connect the HR practice to the business strategic plan and growth, which is different. Okay, that's a, that's a really different way to approach that. She holds many different professional uh, designations, including the Senior Professional in Human Resources and the Society of Human Resources Management Senior Certified Professional Certifications. She served in leadership capacities for 25 years in multiple industries and environments within this Fortune 250, venture capital and equity-backed companies, as well as privately held family-owned business. She's received many awards and recognitions, including the Smart CEO Brava Award for Top Female Executives, the Top 50 Most Influential Women on Long Island for Long Island Business News, She's an active member of many organizations, in particular SHREM, which is the Society of Human Resource Management, the Women's President's Organization, and the Accountants Resource Group, as well as the Hopog Industrial Association. Christine's earned her master's degree in Human Resources Management and Organizational Development at North Park University in Illinois. A bachelor's degree is in Business Administration from the University of Wisconsin. She's a lifelong learner and was accepted into and graduated from the Goldman Sachs 10,000 Small Businesses program in 2015. Christine, welcome, and thank you for taking the time to sit down with us. Oh, thank you for having me, Greg. Listen, so before we get into the nitty-gritty, why don't you tell the people a little bit about, more about you and your company? Sure. So I started Compass um, a little over 10 years ago. We celebrated our 10th anniversary in October of 2019. That was quite a a milestone. Uh, Time flies when you're having fun, right? And so the, the focus of our practice is to really provide services that allow small businesses to grow, to develop other products or services, 
um, and to be passed down from one generation to the next as an asset and not as a liability. So we look at compliance. What does a business need to be doing based on the size, where they operate, and their industry? Then we start looking at operational controls. So how are people managed and organized? How are they communicated to? How do they know? What does it mean to be a good performer? What are the milestones? What are the markers? What are the opportunities for them to grow within that business? And how are we really maximizing the business investment in their people and in their human capital? Because as we all know, right, the businesses that are more profitable Typically, it's based on people. It's not usually based on a piece of technology or trademark or secrets because in the age of the internet, we all have access to so much more than what we did before. So it's how are we leveraging that data through and with our people and what type of service are we providing? And then the third area is conflict resolution in the workplace. And that could be two colleagues or coworkers that aren't able to get along and work productively together. It could be um, doing an independent investigation for a law firm, as we've often done for sexual harassment or in the instances of, you know, allegations of workplace misconduct. And we also do training around communication style profile. And uh, we've partnered with PI Midlantic to be able to provide the predictive index assessment, which is really a behavioral-based assessment tool. So with those three... You can handle soup to nuts, then, basically, and anything in the HR sphere. Um, well, I, I don't like to say everything, because there are certain things. Uh, like, I would say we're not, we're not high-level experts in OSHA. So that is not something that we would deliver for a client. But generally, for the client companies that we're working with, we are their uh, HR partner and we provide full scope of services for them. Yeah, very impressive. Very impressive. You've got quite a, quite a resume of services to offer the clients. So at the turn of the year, we were hit pretty hard with this virus situation and the world turned upside down. We were told not to be together. We were told to stay home. We were told to wash our hands, told to wear masks and gloves, and the world was upside down. So if you were deemed non-essential, basically you could even go to the office. You had to stay home, right? How did that actually affect your personnel, your company, and were you prepared for that work from home scenario? So when I started the business, I started it with the intention to scale. And so with that in mind, one of the things that we've always had is uh, a cloud or shared drive services. And over the 10 years, of course, that has evolved. But at the end of 2018, we migrated to Microsoft 365. And we have voice over IP phones and we all have cell phones. So basically what we did was we each picked up our laptops. We picked up our cell phones. Uh, some of us took our VoIP phones home. And in, in a matter of a few hours, we were all productively working again. So for us, it was a relatively seamless transition. And that also is because our service model includes providing services on site to clients. 
So when we go on site to a client, obviously data still has to be secure. We're not traveling with huge briefcases of paper files and employee records. Everything is securely located in the cloud and we're able to deliver that way. So you guys were early adopters of technology. Yes. That's yeah. That's excellent. So many companies that you've worked for are faced with very tough decisions in terms of their employees, furloughs, layoffs, or, or being directed at long-term employees. Business owners hate that. It's a bitter pill when you have to do that to somebody who's been loyal to you for years. So how are you able to guide your clients through that morass? Sure. Well, I mean, ultimately, for a lot of our clients, and depending on the type of industry they were in, uh, some of them, you know, the revenue faucet was just immediately turned off. Customers started canceling orders or, you know, you can deliver it and you can ship it, but we're not going to pay for it. So, you know, you kind of have to start with the hard, cold facts. What number do we have to get to with payroll? And then what operations have to remain in place and how are we going to get there? So we spent time with them explaining the difference between furlough and layoff. What are the flexibility that you have with the furlough and the different options for benefits? Having to be extremely um, knowledgeable on unemployment benefits in a migrate of states, who has partial, what's the maximum level, what's the maximum someone can work and still qualify for unemployment. And then, you know, kind of handholding each of the affected employees, whether they were being laid off or furloughed. We actually take direct phone calls and emails from our clients' employees. So once their manager has advised them of their status change, then they're immediately handed off to HR and they have a human being to talk to during their layoff period, during their furlough period. So our clients terminated or furloughed employees still have contact to HR at any time. Whether they're struggling to file for unemployment or they don't understand what's happening with their group health benefits. Do they need to mail a check? Where does that check go? Or is the company going to continue to pay it? So that's one of the ways in that we're softening the blow is really providing specific human touch support um, virtually phone and email or Zoom to our clients' affected employees and being extremely knowledgeable and our ability to answer those questions for them. So that brings up the next question. How involved did you get in explaining the CARES Act and the payroll protection plan? Really involved. So we participate in the leadership phone calls with our clients and their CPA firms and their tax advisors and other business advisors and legal counsel. You, for us, PPP and CARES is not two separate things. There's so many intersections. So you have the intersection of the pandemic unemployment assistance. You have the intersection of the deferred social security taxes. You have the intersection of the tax credit, which what you can and cannot do when you have a PPP loan, plus the federal response, um, Corona, oh, FFCRA. So all these acronyms, right? But the leave that was provided under the CARES Act to employees that either were COVID positive, were seeking treatment, were taking care of someone else, or did not have daycare and could not come to work. So we had to understand all of this because it all touches. 
They're, they're not two separate things, even though they sound separate and they're governed by separate bodies. There's intersections between IRS, Treasury and Department of Labor. Which brings up the next question. Because the government is so disparate, do you see pitfalls in the relief programs that have been presented to the business owners? What are the pitfalls? What should right. the owners be paying attention to? Well, so... I'm sure you've heard a lot of people say this, but in the first round of PPP loans, a lot of those businesses actually could not operate. So now you have loan money, but if workers cannot work remotely, what are they doing? The other issue is many people are making more on unemployment than they can going back to work and kind of dealing with that childcare conundrum Um that's in place. I think the other issue is, and although it kind of sounds counterintuitive, your PPP loan is not, uh, you cannot write it off as, a, as an expense or the monies that you use as an expense. So the conundrum comes if my 2019 was good and I want to make my 401k contributions, my match and or my safe harbor, but I had the opportunity to do a profit sharing and I intended to do that. Now, if I do it with PPP funds, it's not deductible to the business. So if there is money to do that, um, that that's, you know, people are really thinking twice about that. So that's a little bit of a conundrum, and I get it. How could money that we're all given be deductible? But these are all the things that people have to take into account when they're when they're making those spending decisions. I know as a business owner, my head spins with some of this stuff. Thank God there are people like yourselves and CPAs and other advisors that can distill this information because it's really beyond many of what small business owners really is, you know. So yeah. Um, I guess really one of the most important things that I'd like to ask you is that you deal with lots of clients. And in terms of your business advice, your bedrock business advice, what are you advising them in the crisis situation so that they can be in a position to reopen when the time comes? So we actually were doing return to work webinars and we've partnered with our security and safety partner, Integris Intelligence. So we're providing um, resources, uh, checklists, um, contact information for, you know, uh, vendors that are going to do safety and security or cleaning. But each company is so unique in how they're choosing to bring people back to work or their ability to restart work that everyone has to be thinking about it in a case-by-case basis. We're actually also designing uh, return-to-work surveys so clients can survey their employees and gain an understanding of who wants to come back to work, who is afraid to come back to work, who has childcare issues, who may have an underlying health situation that puts them more at risk, and then being able to do that in a confidential way so that we can look at the data that we're getting and share it in an appropriate way with the business owners to make good decisions about phasing people back to work. Mm. I mean, a lot of our owners are shocked by how productive people have been in a remote work environment. So I think that's very interesting. I think we're going to see more ability to work remotely. But I think the other thing to keep in mind is, you know, there's where are you going? 
right? You're not really leaving the house. So the distractions tend to be internal distractions, children, family, you know, maybe it's a bandwidth issue if there's multiple members of the family trying to get online. Um, so I think that has to be accounted for a little bit too in, in people's productivity. But generally, we're seeing a lot of owners are, are going to become much more flexible in allowing remote work. I mean, I know my own company, the agency side of the company is all working remotely. I mean, we have a limited essential designation for the print and mail shop because we do lots of work for the hospitals and financial institutions. So it's a very limited essential, but those people are still on premises. But in terms of the marketing department, the agency department, right. we have a 10 a.m. Zoom every morning. Everybody catches each other up and, and then they go about their business. And it does not seem to have really hurt too badly. I'm seeing a little bit of a, a drop off in productivity, but that's based upon the like you said, the distractions, the little dog is running around, the kid is running around, who's ringing the front doorbell. Those types of distractions wouldn't ordinarily have to work. But I think going forward, and correct me if, if you think differently, that working from home is going to be much more accepted going down the line. Absolutely. I think it really will be because a lot of companies did it within 24 to 36 hours. I mean, and people just adapted, you know. It's really interesting how we've how we have adapted. We were told to stay home. We stayed home. It's America. People told me to stay home. I stayed home. That's un, that's so unusual, right? Yeah. Masks I mean, now. So you have all these restrictions and guidelines mm -hmm. and stuff have been put in place, and we actually accepted them, and we should really. But the point is, it's so different from what we really know how to operate. My concern is, is that some of this is going to infiltrate itself into our society going forward. Well, I think, I think people still yearn for a high value human interaction, but I think a lot of us are going to start considering, do I really need to drive there? Right? So we've actually, um, we've closed new business on zoom. Yep. And historically, if, if you would have told me that that's how we would have been going, I said, you're crazy. Who's going to everybody. People want to shake my hand. They're going to want to touch me. They're going to want to see me in person. But I think because of the climate and you're able to build relationships, people are able to see your face. You're able to connect it is possible. I think, you know, at some point those clients will want us on site and want us to interact more with them. But I, I think having to drive for a first meeting, I know for a, a lot of businesses, that's now off the table. Let's get on a Zoom call first or a, a go-to meeting and have a face-to-face, -face, see if it makes sense to continue on and just think of all the time that we'll all have back. I agree. I and and the impact to the environment. Yeah, it, I mean, I looked at my gas tank the other day. I haven't filled it up in two weeks. And I was, right. it was good for two tanks a week. So that's serious. It provides more money for cocktails. <laughs> so, but, yeah. <laughs> right. So, but in closing, really, so in, in terms of CEOs, which is this, the show's focus mm -hmm. on CEOs, what advice would you give a CEO who's suffering through this? crisis right now and how would you support them or tell them to go forward so that they're not 
folding their tent? I personally start my day with a thought of gratitude for what I have and, and the resources available to me. And I think if you approach it with a mindset of what do I have available to work with and how am I going to use that to the best of my ability, whether it's business relationships or your team um, or your PPP loan, then you're able to kind of see your way through. Um, this is a mind game. I mean, it, it's an environmental thing that's happening to us. The virus is real. But as a CEO, it's about your mindset and having a positive mindset and, and creating a vision for your organization of how are you going to navigate this. And I think that starts from what do I have to work with instead of what was taken away from me and what's missing. I think I, think I agree 100%. Going, going back to 08, 09, and we got slapped then. Uh, you had to keep that mindset positive. Otherwise, it was pull the blankets over your head and just go away. But the people who survived that, and you're one of them, realize that you can't do that. You need to stick to your mindset. You need to know right. where you're going. Even though there's obstacles in the way now, where were you going before January? Where were you? What was your condition? And build on that. That's how you're going to get back to, to hopefully something that looks a little bit right. more like what we consider normal. Right? Well, and. And don't forget about your marketing. Don't forget about updating your website and your social media platforms and staying in touch with people because the assumption is if nobody sees you, right, online or in your white papers or however you showed up, the assumption is you're gone. You've been watching my stuff, haven't you? <laughs> <laughs> well, it's true. No, everything that you just said, yeah. my monster, don't let people forget. Who you are and what you do and what you've done. Don't let them forget that. Let them know you're still there. You're still vibrant. You're still solid. Right. You're going to come out of this. And I think that's something that we can advise everybody. We're all in this together. We're going to come out of it at some point. But if we if we don't work together, that's going to be hindered. If we don't follow the scientists, if we don't protect our most vulnerable, then we're going to be recycling this virus over and over and over again. And then what will, what will happen will be desolate. So we not need to go into this together strongly, aggressively, and go after it and get back to where we were. We had the greatest economy in the world in January. We need to get it back, right? Yeah. So, Christine, in parting, if you have anything to say, I'd appreciate it. Otherwise, I thank you so much for taking your time out of the day. Well, thank you, Greg. It's, it's really been a pleasure. I appreciate your time. And hopefully, you know, people will listen in and be helped by this. I think you gave quite a, quite a bit of good, solid advice and insight into what's really going on in some of your clients' companies. So thank you again, Christine. Thank you very much. Thank you. That's a wrap on another Ask a CEO interview. We hope you enjoyed the talk. We'd love to hear from you. Visit gregscorneroffice.com, click the Ask a CEO tab, search your favorite listening app, or view on YouTube. Click the subscribe button. And don't forget to like and follow us on Facebook. Until next time, goodbye from Ask a CEO.